Welcome into the Legends Rewind podcast. I'm Rusty Ellis, joined today by former White County legend Kyle Gribble. I have to ask, and I ask everyone this, how does that feel kind of first to have someone apply that word to your name, legend? Because that's got to be a little surreal to hear, right? It, it definitely is. Um, just uh, That's just a, a tough word to, to just <laughs> embrace. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. When you hear legends, you think about the greatest NBA players ever. But, you know, when you think about legends in terms of our area, I mean, we all try to be the best we can be. And if that's what people want to, you know, <laughs> give us the, the the legend status, you know, we'll take it. But, I mean, it's just a testament is how hard, you know, somebody works uh, to achieve great things. And, you know, things we achieved is just – it was just very, very, you know, blessed to be a part of that. So, let's kind of talk about – the early days of you playing basketball. First of all, at what age did you start playing basketball for the first time? Man, I probably came out the womb playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember my days in uh, training league basketball, um, you know, five or six years old, um, you know, started playing in and just going through those leagues, um, playing elementary basketball, uh, which was just, we talked to fundamentals from, from day one. Um, and th- those things just, you know, are very dear to, to my success and what I've had on the basketball court. So when, when you were first learning the game, kind of what part of the game came a little bit easier to you? Because obviously you were a point guard, so I would imagine, you know, facilitating, playmaking, that came with time and experience. But what other parts of the game really, like, did you kind of have that natural gift for? Well, I actually didn't play point guard. Uh, I was oh, okay. actually, Yeah, I kind of just growing up played everywhere, um, you know, just being – uh, athletic, um, you know, I'd mostly play on the wing and just kind of get out and speed the game up. Um, but I would say the thing that came easy was just playing hard. We were taught from day one, no matter what you're doing, play hard. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in basketball, you know, dive on the floor, you know, go after all these fruit. You know, if you want the ball, you got to go get it. That's what I was always taught. You know, if it was in terms of steals, rebounds, uh, whatever it needed to be, I, I wanted the ball a lot growing up. So I was told, if you want it, go get it. Um, so that was just one thing that was, that was always just a natural for me. Um, now something that was probably hard was just, I mean, just, you know, learning the fundamentals shooting and, and using your left hand, always trying to be dominant with your right hand only cause I'm a right-handed player, you know, having to, to use that left hand was, is always challenging. Um, and then, you know, left hand layups, things that you don't see kids doing today, <laughs> using their offhand at all. I mean, those things were, were tough at the beginning, but you know, we were pushed to learn the fundamentals and if you couldn't do it right, you don't do it at all. Um, and our coaches had to see us putting in the work to do it the right way in order to allow us to do that on the court during the games. So what led to the initial interest for you in basketball? Because I think, obviously, you grew up in a time where I think a lot of people consider that to be kind of the golden age, especially of the NBA, where mm-hmm. you had so many legends at the time that were playing on the court. And I just, I'm interested, like, what were there any players you modeled your game after? Were there any players that you looked up to in the NBA and said, I would love to be able to play like that? Um, well, I mean, obviously Michael Jordan at that time was, was one of them. Uh, That's an easy one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My favorite player of all time is Dominique Wilkins though. And okay. I, I always wish I could jump as high as he can, but I never could, <laughs> I never could do that. Um, but I mean, just growing up, we just always played out. I mean, we just, we didn't have these phones that these kids have these screens that the kids sit around and do all the time playing video games. We did play video games, mm-hmm. but we were always outside playing. And it was always, you know, playing football, playing baseball, playing basketball. Even if we didn't have a goal outside, we used the, you know, uh, a dumpster uh, in our, our apartment complex. We used the, the side to, you know, put a um, put a goal there. You know, we, we just wanted to play all the time, no matter what it was. So 
um, those things, we just kind of grew a passion for doing it. And then, you know, growing, you know, as we get older and our skills got better, you know, it just took off from there. Mm-hmm. So how much has the game, and I know this is a loaded question that I'm about to ask you, but in your opinion, like how, what are some of the ways that the game has changed today? I know a lot of people talk about the pace of play and three-point shooting is like some of the biggest differences because back, back in maybe the 80s and 90s, if you took 15 threes a game, that was considered a lot. If you took 10 threes a game, yeah. that was considered a lot. Um, where else has the game changed, especially maybe at the high school level? Where do you think the game has changed? I say overall, just the physicality of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't touch anybody now. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't contest them without a foul being called or uh, from offensive players trying to draw the foul or do all the flopping. You know, that's that's one major thing there. Um, you know, and just I see a lot of screening that's just a lot, di- a lot different to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, growing up and, and playing in White County, you know, we had a tall team. We set a lot of screens, down screens. Uh, cross screens you don't see that now all you see is ball screens you might see every once in a while depending on if you have the personnel to be a, a great shooter you know a shooter coming off a uh, a down screen mm-hmm. but i don't see a lot of you know stagger screens i think i say screen is, is, is the big part that's gone but physicality overall uh you know being able to bang and be physical you know you have uh, guys like steph curry now that are great scorers great athletes uh, but think about back in the day when Jordan and Kobe didn't play, you know, they could be physical and they put somebody with some length in them to be, get all up in them. Uh, and that would affect their, you know, performance heavily. Um, so right now, I think just not being able to be too physical with in the game has changed a lot. So because now I have to ask, uh, because you brought them up, I have to ask you this a little bit of a tangent. We'll get back on. We'll be, get back on track here in a second. Uh, MJ, Kobe, LeBron, I'm assuming you rank them that one, two, three in that order, right? Yes. Good. Yeah, that's that's the correct order. I, I agree. That is. That, so. I'm, I'm Kobe's my Kobe's my Kobe, Kobe's my boy. That's, that's my dog there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there will be no Kobe without Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know, tired this game after that. And I just don't think that LeBron has the mentality, or you know, he, he I can't put him above those two. No, I agree 100. percent I think there's going to be a lot of younger people that listen to this that that are going to have some things to say to you after this, maybe. But uh, that's all right. You're, you're correct, though. So you're you're right in my opinion. So yeah. Um, hey, let so, them let them come. Let them let them come on at you. <laughs> I love it. So uh, when you were growing up and playing, kind of in the middle school level, and in you know obviously the early days of travel ball, uh, who were some coaches that impacted you? Because obviously, you know, we'll we'll talk about Roy White obviously a lot here in a few minutes. Who were some other coaches that made impacts on you though? Nancy Stone, Will England, uh, Brenda Knox, those three in, in elementary school were the ones who taught us the fundamentals. You know, Miss Knox used to make us do that in, in PE classes. Uh, but Coach Stone and Coach England were the ones who practiced us every day. You know, elementary ball in White County, you know, we have team practices. So, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, you were on a basketball team. For an hour and a half, two hours a day, you were getting – you were having a practice. Uh, I live in Mountain Juliet, Tennessee now, and right now their elementary ball is non-existent. They have, a, they have only a city league. So I can just tell the difference of when people are being taught, uh, you know, on a regular basis compared to what we were, it's totally different. Um, and then getting into middle school, you know, Jimmy Cannon was our was our coach and he was on the same thing. It's like, we just followed suit. You know, White County not being a, a big, big county, um, you know, we had our, a good program that started from started from elementary and, you know, let, you know, follow us all the way through, um, through high school. So we were taught the same fundamentals everywhere. No, we didn't always have the most athletic guys or the biggest guys, uh, but we had the most fundamental guys on the court and we'll play harder than anybody. And that was just taught. That was ingrained in us at our, you know, my days in elementary through middle school and, you know, and obviously through high school as well. 
how important are feeder programs into what high schools do? Because you mentioned it with Mount Juliet that you feel like that, you know, those programs are almost non-existent and, uh, you know, how, who knows how much that could impact the next level at obviously the high school level. How important in your opinion are those feeder programs into helping build programs at the high school level? Very important. Cause there's always, there's always a learning curve when you go from one program to the next. And if you have one program that starts at, you know, middle school, for example, you have two, three years of that and it's in the same process as you do in uh, high school, then, you're ahead of the game. You know, the coach don't have to spend time breaking down the concept when it may be already been implemented in, you know, the middle school years. So I think it's very important. Uh, and probably those schools who have better programs in high school may may have that. Uh, it's probably what sets them apart from a lot of them. Because I know now, just just talk about Wilson County, these schools are, you know, they don't, they start organized ball really in middle school is when they start, you know, they go from city league to, to, um, to school ball. And I think that's put some behind a little bit a year or so before, you know, getting to high school and then the high school coaches having to catch up. Uh, well, middle school coaches having to catch up, but high school has to catch up as well just to try to get them, you know, up to speed with, you know, where they should be fundamentally. Between organized ball and city ball, is the biggest difference just the fundamentals or are there, are there other differences in your opinion besides just that? There are other differences as well. Uh, you know, city ball, you really don't have set offense that you might run. You know, they probably everybody right now, all they want to do is, you know, penetrate and shoot threes, even at a young <laughs> age. That's all they want to do, yeah. whether they can shoot them or not. Um, so, obviously, in the school ball, you have more set offenses. You can run more. You have more ability. You know, city league, you don't have as many practices. You may have one a week. You know, school ball, you have three or four practices a week. So, there's a lot more you can implement, you know, um, when you have them. Obviously, the more time you have with that, that team. I love that you mentioned when it came to coaches, you mentioned a couple elementary school coaches. I think when people think about coaching, they think about it a lot in the professional college and high school ranks about how much, how many hours a week you're putting in, whether it be film study, going and traveling and watching other teams in person. Um, but how, how much credit do, do coaches in feeder programs, whether it's the middle school or elementary school, how much credit do they also deserve? Because they're coaching too. They're giving their time to these kids. They're trying to help teach them. I mean, how, how much praise do they also deserve? They deserve a lot. I mean, I know in our case, we, you know, we were taught we couldn't make the basketball team in fourth grade if you couldn't do a left hand layup. Wow. <laughs> Literally, like they said, wow. you got to make a left hand layup. You can't make that. You can't play basketball. Everybody on the team had to do it. If you're left handed, you had to do a right hand layup. They would not allow us to shoot a layup on the wrong side, like, you know, you see a lot today. Now, I know that it's, it's in some cases, you might need, you'll need to do it both ways, but the fundamental way is doing it, you know, we had to do it that way in order to be on the team. And they just, they pushed us for passing. They pushed us for defense. I mean, they just they taught us really, really strict and really good, uh, you know, on the elementary level. That's where it all started. That was all. That was, that was where our groundwork was laid in. So let's talk about the high school level. When you got to White County High School, what was kind of the biggest obstacle you had to hurdle? What, what, you know, a lot of people talk about again the speed of the game. It kind of gets a little bit faster at high school, going from middle school to high school. Uh, what were what was your biggest obstacle? <laughs> well. Um, I would say coming from middle school, you know, we were, we won the state championship in middle school, mm -hmm. had a big team guys. We played together for the last two or three years. We're going to my fresh, uh, freshman year. You know, I was three or four of the guys got moved up to JV and varsity. So my adjustment first off was, uh, having, you know, some of the better players on my team playing with me our freshman year, they were all moved up. So our team wasn't near as good as it had been in the past two or three years. A lot of guys, a lot of teams that we had beat pretty handily in middle school. Now they were all still together uh, and our better three or four players had moved up. So when they played us in freshman, they thumped us. 
they, you know, kind of got a year back where they say, yeah, y'all beat us the past two years. So, we're, you know, now we're going to beat you now. And I was taking all of us. I used to mess with Brent Jolly and, you know, Shea Burchett, uh, Jared Austin, tell them, y'all left me down here to get pounded for a year. <laughs> <laughs> While y'all was up there, you know, with the, with the JV and varsity teams. Um, but, uh, and then just, you know, that was my freshman year. Uh, but it also helped me too, because, I mean, it made me be, you know, learn different aspects of the game and being pushed. Uh, my coach at that time was Coach Hess, Todd Hess. And, you know, he he challenged me in different ways uh, as a freshman, you know, um, been out there and being the one from the starting team in our middle school years. Uh, you know, he challenged me much and it, it helped me more, you know, the next two or three years. My sophomore year, you know, I had to adjust to not playing at all. Um, you know, going from, you know, middle school, our success, freshman playing every game, you know, my sophomore year, it was JV um, games, you know, not playing any high school game unless we were ahead by, you know, 20, 30 points or whatever. Uh, so that was an adjustment too, because, you know, no player wants to sit, uh, but you also know you got to buy your time. You got to keep working hard. So that year was, uh, was just tough for not playing wise, but I know we had a really good team and I knew that they, you know, if I was better than them, I'd have been out there, but I knew I had to, I had a lot to prove that year. Um, so that part's always challenging, but you know, in the long run, it, it helped me be a better player. And, you know, I had to keep pushing to, to beat those guys. And, you know, I respect those guys dearly just for the, the leadership and what they showed me. I feel like there's another conversation to be had there about how the game's changed because I feel like a lot of kids today might go through something like you did where, you know, a lot of your teammates get moved up before you do and then you're not playing your sophomore year. They might get frustrated. They might try to transfer to another school, might quit playing the game altogether, but you were patient. Do you see that as well today that maybe kids don't have that patience or willingness to just, if they want it, if you want it bad enough, go and work hard for it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it starts – a lot of these kids are – they're so good as a, you know, elementary or middle school, they think it's going to be the same in high school. Uh, you know, people develop late. I was a late – I was a late bloomer when it comes to that. Um but you got to just trust the process. I mean, we had a great program. Our coaches were, they just demanded, you know, excellence from us. I mean, our players showed that day in and day out. Um, I think that now if the, if the parents don't feel like the kids in the right situation, yeah, they will transfer them. But a lot of it is they think they can go to a smaller school and play more or they're not getting up playing time because they're better than this player. But back then it was, I didn't, I didn't question that. If I'd, if I'd have questioned that, I would have been, I would have quit and been off the team and, you know, who knows where I'd be today. Uh, so it's just being involved in a program that's was successful and it has the right values, morals, you know, uh, that the coach starts from the coach. And as long as the coach is, is supporting the team uh, and, and the rest of it will fall into place. I mean, but it also depends on how, how much work is that kid putting in. Uh, I know back then, you know, if we couldn't do something, we were in the gym working on it with or without coach. Coach advantage. If you want to do it, if you want to do it, you got to put the work in. I got to see you putting the work in if I'm going to let you do it in the practice, I mean, in a in a game. And nowadays, these kids, they don't work on the game. They don't work on the craft. You know, I mean, they love playing basketball, but are they playing the right way? Uh, and how they've been taught, you know, growing up, a lot of kids are, you know, they're tall, you know, tallest kid in, you know, city league, so they can, you know, score 20, 30 points maybe, but they also may be shooting 30, 40 times. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, my kid just, just did this. But are they teaching, are they doing it the right way? Then when they get to a certain age, their skill level is going to, you know, be equal with somebody else? How do they respond when they meet somebody with their ability or better? Um, and then that comes to, well, my kid's not getting to play because he's better than this kid, but he's not getting to play or she's not. What work are they putting in? Like, she shouldn't just fold like that. 
that that develops character. And um, you know, there were times when I thought I was better than some of the, the guys that were two years older than me, but they put the work in. They were good. I, mean, I didn't just come out saying that, but I was like, I, I want to. I want to go out there. So every day at practice, I. Competition, just you got to have that in order to be successful. And if your team is, is um, you know, pushing you to be better, then you can be a better, uh, better athlete, have better results, you know, down the road. One thing I've heard a lot of coaches say, and it, it kind of, I, I kind of feel like you think would think the same thing here is that in practice, especially when it comes to building good habits, practice what you would do in a game. You know, a lot of people want to practice these challenging you know, double step backs that they see someone like Luka Doncic do in the NBA. But how often are you going to actually be in a game situation where you need to pull that off instead of just practicing, you know, what you would do in a game? Do you feel that same way? That that's, that's the important thing to focus on in practice? Oh, yes. I mean, if you can't do it in practice, you can do it in a game. To this day, my wife and I, we built a gym at our house and we work with some kids just, just to help the game because just watching the fundamental part of it is just depressing, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, and the way the kids shoot, uh, and they don't practice on it. They don't practice their, their craft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you a prime example. When, my, when we, I started my junior year, I believe I made my first three-pointer of the year, and then I believe I missed the next 20 or 30 threes. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember uh, Coach Wyden coming to me and like, if you're going to shoot this ball, you're going to have to work on it. Like, mm-hmm. you have to learn how to shoot this ball. And he would pick me up in the mornings and say, you're going to shoot. You're going to shoot whatever before school, and then you're going to stay before practice, after practice, whatever it is. But we, I practiced that. And then, you know, getting more comfortable with that in, in, you know, extra time on the court, just transfer to doing it in practice, doing it in practice, change to do it in the game. And your team has to have confidence in you too. Your coach is not going to put you in a situation that he hasn't seen you already do. Mm-hmm. You know, that builds the confidence from, from the coach and your players. Uh, you know, nowadays you got kids that everybody wants to shoot three-pointers. You know, when they go out there and warm up, they don't shoot layups, they don't shoot free throws. They don't work on their form. They shoot three-pointers. Step back, Steph Curry. Well, Steph Curry had to start from somewhere too. Yeah, I know his dad was a great shooter and, and great player in the NBA, but he didn't just go out there and start shooting threes. Mm-hmm. No, he had, he had to have the groundwork, the foundation, and he did that. So now he's, he's good enough to be able to get away with what he's getting with now, which is one of the best shooters, uh, you know, to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. So I think these guys, these kids now just need to practice real game shots. Everybody don't have the ability to go between the legs, spin moves, step back. You know, <laughs> you may only be able to catch and shoot. One drill pull up. Like, those, those fundamental things are just – Kids aren't using these days. Now there are some. I'm not gonna say all of them. I mean, there's a lot of kids that are really, really good, um, but there are a lot of kids that just they want, they want, they want, but they don't put the work in to to do that. Not, I'm not saying they can't do it or won't ever be able to do it, but they don't want to work on it. And it's just how they're being taught to do that. We never did. I don't. Be honest with you. In my four years of high school, we never did do a step back. <laughs> there, was, there was never a step back. You know, there were a lot of between the legs pull up jumpers. You know, we would just we run our offense. You know. Uh, go to the mismatch, set screens, and we just played hard, and we just played it the right way. And it's sad, some, and you can go to some of these games and you see that people or teams are not, their offense or defense is not geared to the person that they have, the makeup of the team. Everybody wants to have, uh, you know, four out, one in. Well, everybody don't have the personnel to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think coaches need to, need to step back and be like, okay, my, this is my personnel. Let's, let's find the best offense that my team personnel makeup is, not what you know, the Golden State Warriors are trying to do or the Kentucky Wildcats are trying to do, you know, because everybody don't have that personnel and their makeup and their ability to do that. So your junior year, was there a moment where you realized or was there kind of a moment early in the year where you thought, man, this team could, could really be really good or could really do something special? 
Well, we came into that year without any expectations because it was a rebuilding year. Mm -hmm. The only one we really had was Brent Jolly that was started the year before. You know, Jared Austin had a lot of playing time his sophomore year. But coming in, it was like, what are we going to do? This is a whole new team. Mm -hmm. um, but again, we the, the team that was there my, my sophomore year, um, those guys just set the tone. I mean, they were we were ranked in the state. Um, we got upset um, in the regional tournament, so we 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 had high expectations then, you know. So it, we just kind of kind of fed off that and just continued it, you know, through my junior and senior year. But um, we just got, like I said, we we just played hard the whole time. We just we had a coach that just set the tone for us, and he put us in in successful situations, um, and just made us work hard. And we just were fundamental and. We didn't do things that were, you know, out of characteristic. Um, but, you know, we just played hard and had a great coach and everything just fell into place for us. So let's talk about that coach a little bit, because obviously when I sat down and talked with Coach Whited, um, he obviously had glowing things to say about you as a player, as well as about guys like Brent Jolly as well, who I've spoken to as well. And again, he raved about you as well. Um, talk about him as a coach, though. First of all, what made him a great coach, in your opinion? Well, I'm going to go past – Further than a coach, I call him my pops. Okay. Because uh, he, he took me in. Like, that, that, he was like a father to me and still is. I mean, he and I have a great relationship. I can call him at any point uh, in time, ask for, you know, words of encouragement or any, anything, he would be there for me. Um, you know, he has just pushed me and mentally um, just demanded so much. Just the respect I have for that guy is, is I can't even put in the words. Uh, that guy's got, you know, he's, 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 Forever engraved in my heart, and he knows that. Um, I have probably, like I said, I call him my, my pops, literally, and that's what he is. He's like a, he's like a dad to me. Mm -hmm. um, him and his family, they just they've done so much for me, and I would not be half the person I am now without without him. Um, but in the basketball aspect, you know, he just he made us wear, you know, we'd wear shirt and tie to games. You don't <laughs> you don't really see that a lot. So he wanted you, you know, first class program has to have first class citizens. Uh, and that's the way he always he, he demanded that. And you were going to do it the way it was supposed to be done or you were going to do it at all. Um, now, I know I wasn't perfect through the whole, my whole high school career, but I know that I did not want to let him down. Um, during any game, you know, we, we always like I said, we always played hard and we played hard for him. And he just gave us the tools and his resources for us to, to do what we did. And he would spend time in the gym with us. He stayed in idle with us if we needed to in the gym. If we wanted to get better, he, the gym was open. He'd pick us up. Um, you know, I'd have a car in high school, but he'd pick me up many times in the mornings, uh, my junior year and senior year, to go work on shooting, to do workouts before school, stay after school, take me home after school, so, uh, or after practices, he, after games. You know, he just, he put in that time and for to have a coach like that, just, you just don't want to let him down. So we just made sure that we played the way we're supposed to play day in, day out. He, seem, he seems like the coach. I mean, I've, I've only seen him coach when he was at York, you know, a year ago. I saw him coach a little bit then. I, I hadn't had a chance to see him coach before then. He oh, he calmed like, down when he went to York. <laughs> yeah, he was – He was <laughs> based on what you and Brent have told me, it sounds like he was kind of wild sometimes, especially <laughs> in heated games. So, seeing – I saw a completely – that wildness. <laughs> I saw a completely different version of him at York. So that's, that's kind of funny. not to say he didn't get into it. He got into the games, but clearly not to the level he did with y'all back in his heyday. So, uh, uh, he used to get all in us. 
He, you know, we were much taller than he was. It didn't matter. He still bring us down by. He still brings us down to his level, and he'd get all in this for sure. <laughs> but he seemed. He always seemed like he was a coach that kind of. You know, if he trusted you, he made it clear that he trusted you. He would. He would. He would give you that leeway on the court. How important is it to have that coach that instills that trust and that faith in you on the court and lets you kind of play the game, run the game? And obviously, he would tell you if you did something wrong. But yeah. again, he built that trust in you. I mean, this gives you confidence. Um, you know, everybody knew their role. He made sure that the role was was set and determined. Everybody accepted that role, or you wouldn't, or you didn't play. You know, if we'd had guys out here, if we had all five of our starters trying to shoot threes, or trying to dribble and do stuff that is uncharacteristic, they couldn't do. They didn't play, and they knew that they had to accept the role that Coach White had informed him of, or we weren't going to be successful as a team. But what he I mean, what he preached to us was, it's not about. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about Brent or Jared. It was about the whole team. You know, if, if the team only succeeds as far as how's everybody, uh, you know, uh, everybody handles their, accepts the role and how they perform. And we had people that only, we had, our team was 6'3 to 6'7. Mm-hmm. And we probably had more charges than we had blocks. So it's like one of those things, Coach, like you're not, a, you're not a shot blocker. You know, you play good fundamental defense. So it's, it's, and people see our team and think those guys are tall. You know what I mean? Um, they probably got a lot of block block shots. No, I'm, I'm, I promise you, we probably didn't have any block as many, <laughs> near many block shots as we did charges. So it's it's those things that he taught us um, that we were successful. When we played. We would There were plenty of times we were not the most athletic team out there. Um, and people look at both teams and be like, "Oh, we're going to get our brains beat in tonight." Case in point: Pro Cone High School in our state champion uh, semifinals are my junior year. You know, everybody in the world probably looked at us like, oh, that's gonna, they're going to get beat tonight. But we just did our fundamental. We stayed with we stayed with what, what he had taught us um, and the game plan he put in. So just mentally, he challenged us on so many levels. And we were just the smarter team or the most fundamental team, which just yielded a lot of success for us. Um, you know, in, in Tennessee and in our tournaments in out of state, um, you know, all those, those things contributed from the leadership and – you know, just uh, the challenges that he he presented to us in practice, in games, uh, you know, in school, in class, all that. So probably the simplest question I could ask you is, what's it like to win a state championship? Like, what, what's that What's that feeling like when the buzzer sounds, the confetti flies? If they had confetti back then, I know they do now. I don't know how much it's changed. But <laughs> but what, what's that feeling like? What's going through your head? That all the, the blood, sweat, tears – <laughs> elbows was all worth it and that you have a uh, a team of brothers that just nobody can take it away from you when you share when you share something like that with a group of guys it's just you, you just can't put in the words like still to this day you, you, I still think about how good our teams were um and just how close we were like still I talked to you know three or four of them pretty regularly and just to have that bond and be able to share something with them that not many people get to you know, get the experience and for us to do it twice back to back. Uh, not many teams have done that, you know, across the, you know, the basketball world period. Um, it's just, it's, it's still hard. To, it's still hard to put into words mm-hmm. how it feels, uh, but it's always something I'll never forget. So where, where did life take you after high school then? So you had a great, great high school career there where you got to be a state champion. What, what was, what was next for you after high school? Oh, uh, we went to Carson Newman. Um, we played basketball and football there for uh, – Basketball and football, wow. 
Yeah, yeah. I played well. It was football my freshman year. Uh, one of the backup quarterbacks, and then you know we went to the national championship game at Carson Newman. Um, so I missed the first you know ten games, seven to ten games for going that deep into the playoffs. So, you know, after Christmas, when I got to join the basketball team and being able to get back in the flow and being a quarterback, you know, I've got a football in my hand every day. So <laughs> going from that, that size ball to a, that shape ball to a basketball was was challenging. Um, and just the quick success I could have on the basketball court compared to, to um, football, you know, it was a, I just knew I needed to make a, make a decision and, and pick one. Uh, and I did that. And, you know, Carson Newman was up there for, you know, four years and played three more years of basketball. Um, and just had a lot of success there. Uh, my junior year in particular, where we went to the Sweet 16 in Division II, uh, and actually lost the game to go into the Elite Eight by, by, one, by one point, which I missed the layup to, <laughs> or missed the shot to do what it took us to the Elite Eight. Um, so doing that, you know, graduated in 03, uh, did a few years of uh, trying out and playing semi-pro ball. Um, you know, went to, to Canada for some training camps, went to play for – Nashville Rhythm, um, the ABA team in, in Nashville, played for them a couple of years, um, and then just playing on some travel teams and um, in the summer leagues and stuff. So I still, and even to this day, I still play uh, at least once a week, maybe twice a week, just kind of play a little competitive in some men's leagues around Nashville area, um, just to stay close to the game. Gotcha. So, so what are you doing today now? Uh, I currently now work for ABM uh, Industries as a contract cleaning services. We do custodial grounds and maintenance services throughout, uh, you know, my area, just the Middle Tennessee region. But ABM is a nation, nation across the country um, company that's just all over the place. Um, so I'm a, currently a, a regional director of operations, and I've run 10 school districts in uh, Tennessee state. Um, so pretty busy dealing with superintendents, directors, and board members, and <laughs> principals, and you know, all that. Um, like I also told you earlier that my wife and I built a gym at our house. We have a half court gym here. So we also uh, work with kids on the fundamentals. So we have some kids in Mount Julia that, you know, just from the friends growing up that I played ball with, that she's played ball with, um, we worked out with, go to church with, just in the community. They come over here, you know, three or four times a week and we just have a bunch of groups and we just work with kids just to try to teach them the fundamentals of how I was taught, how my wife was taught growing up and try to give them a good foundation of playing. You know, we have kids from six years old to uh, let's see, 19 that come and just throughout the week. And we're just, we're just working with, working with the kids. We just, my wife and I are just, we have a, uh, a, a deep passion for the game and we just want the game to be played the right way. And if we can help kids do that, we are, we're all about it. Um, and we, we push the kids and show them different things. And it's, we, we challenge those kids too. I also tell the parents, I mean, they come in here, they got to put the work in. Um, Cause a lot of the kids, they come to us one, once a week for an hour. Well, what they got to understand is that hour is not going to make you a superstar. It's what you do outside of those that hour when you're not with us or with your parents. And that's why we were good growing up, you know, as, as a kid. Like, we didn't just practice in the two-hour time slot we have for, you know, high school, middle school, elementary practice. We worked on it outside of practice. Got a teammate and went in there and we, you know, rebounded shot for each other. Did those did the same drills um, during the practices. We do those after practices. But, you know, off the clock, if you say. Um, and that's what builds – you know, rep repetition is what builds it. And you don't have so much time in a two-hour practice that the coach can actually dedicate to your shooting, uh, you know, your shooting fundamentals or free throws or whatever it is. Um, so a lot of stuff, you, you got to do it on your own. And these kids who who are the better kids are the ones who are who are doing that. Um, 
and to have better success are the ones who are putting that extra time in off outside when nobody's looking. Um, and that's just a, that's a hard concept to teach these days to a lot of these kids. Cause all, all they want to do is, you know, be on the phones and play video games, be on screens. Um, if they would just take an hour a day and do something else, they would be much better in, in the athletic world. Uh, and I've seen it firsthand just how there's no kids don't put time into doing it. And like I said, it's frustrating to see that, especially with all these kids have a lot more ability, natural ability than I had growing up. I'm like, if you put any work into that, you would never know what, what, you know, how much success or what the future would hold for you. But they don't want to work. And that's the part, because like I said, growing up from elementary school till now, just to um, engrave it myself has just been hard work. And if I wanted, if, I, if there's something I want, I needed to do to make my team successful, I was gonna figure out a way to do it. And it just came from just being better than me growing up. Um, you know, I was, I was more of a slasher in high school into my senior year, I started becoming more of a shooter, but I had to work on it. Uh, I didn't want to shoot threes. <laughs> you know, it was always a layup or one-on-one with somebody, but shooting threes is what separates, makes you a hard guard. Um, and Coach White had stressed that to me all the time, so you're athletic. You can do this, you can do that, but you got to work on your on your shooting. Shooting is what's going to separate you to make you harder to guard. And that's like, well, that's what I want. That's another part of the game I want to add to it. And just had to put work into doing it. Um, and that's just what happened. Well, I think I already knew it because based on you, just the fact that I know that a lot of people are busier than me to begin with. But after hearing everything that you do on a normal basis, I know for a fact you have a much busier schedule than I do. So I'm even <laughs> more appreciative of you finding a way to squeeze me in here today. Uh, the, uh, the last thing I'll, I, I like to end all these the same way would just, you know, just give some free game to, you know, younger athletes today. And, I, and you've done a, you've done a lot of that already, but I'll, I'll give you the chance to do, do some more here as well. Uh, give some free game. What for any kids that maybe want to get to where you got where, you know, you want a state championship played at the next level, played at the collegiate level, which is that's an achievement no matter what level you're playing at division one two NAIA doesn't matter. That's, you know, if you can make it that level, you're you're good. Um, and then what is also some advice you might give to your younger self? Um, just love your craft. Basketball is your craft. Perfect it. And the only way you can perfect it is practice. Practice makes perfect. Don't just go out there and practice just wasting reps to say I was out there practicing. Practice it the right way. Uh, and if you don't know how to do it, there's plenty of resources. There's plenty of people that I'm sure that around that can, that can show you the right way uh, to where you can perfect that, that skill. Um, and just – Stay off the phones. <laughs> <That's what laughs> Stay off your phones. Um, you know, you're going to be on the phones and you're talking about basketball. I'll look up drills from these these legends, you know, the real NBA legends, you know, Steph Curry, uh, Ray Allen, those guys, if you want to shoot, Jordan, all those things. Look how they played the game. That's playing the, playing the game the right way. Um, and just, you know, attitude-wise, like, don't – you're not going to be perfect at everything. You're not going to make every one of your shots. Um you're going to turn the ball over thousands of times, but it's how you respond to something that you don't do that you expect to do is just going to build character and it's going to make you better moving forward. Uh, I mean, I, I can tell you plenty of times where I've had five, six turnovers <laughs> probably in a row. <laughs> you know, if, uh, if Coach White could call a timeout fast enough, he would have gave me out there a few times he did. Uh, but it, it, it was, you know, turn the ball over and get back down and get, get a steal or get a block or make the play to, to get the ball back. Um, and it's one of the things, just don't, don't, ever, don't, don't ever give up on your dreams, on whatever it is you want to do. I don't care if it's in the sports world, business world, whatever it is, the fundamentals part of, of being successful is just working hard, having the determination, that mindset that I can do 
anything as long as I put time work into it. So just to all the all the, the future athletes, just work hard um, and never take it for granted for one. <laughs> uh, keep working hard, cherish the times you're in now. Uh, you're not always gonna be able to shoot threes and run and dunk, you know. Uh, there's more to the game than just dunking. Uh, you know, it's the fundamental part of it. Um, so just just love your craft and and just just work hard. Wise, wise words. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you hopping on with me here today. I know that, again, you're a very, very busy man, but I appreciate you taking the time for me today. No problem. I appreciate you having me on there. Yes, sir. That was – go ahead. My bad. I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> well, there, there are a lot of people that think very highly of you, and after talking to you today, I see why they think that. So – that was White County legend Kyle Gribble.